We get to engage people, advance ideas, and ignite change because of the generous support from our community. If you find our resources meaningful or valuable, please consider supporting the forum today. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. Thank you very much for your support and generosity. And thank you all to our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the Forum Podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you are already written a review, thank you. And please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the forum grows. So thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again and enjoy the show. Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast series. I'm Ben Rube, Program Manager here at the Forum. We're really looking forward to today's podcast, Feedback, the Key to Retaining Your Frontline Supply Chain Workforce with Dan Johnston of Workstep. New research from Workstep, a hiring and retention platform for supply chain, found that 77% of frontline employees are considering new roles in the next three months. Historic employee turnover continues to plague businesses operating in the supply chain. Workstep looked at the top factors contributing to employee dissatisfaction, as well as other key themes. The great resignation is far from over, aside from more than three quarters of respondents saying they plan to explore a new role. The data also found that 46% have been in their current roles for less than one year. 54% have switched jobs in the past year. Despite record high turnover, management teams rarely, if ever, ask for feedback from their frontline supply chain workforce. 41% of respondents said that management never seeks feedback. Eight say they're asked to provide feedback once a year, and for the employees that get to provide feedback, 70 say 70% say their voices aren't being heard. Jan Johnson founded Workstep to help companies empower their frontline workers. The supply chain is a struggling industry that will not recover if these workers continue to be disregarded. In this podcast, you'll learn new data from Workstep about the number one reason for supply chain worker turnover, company awareness or lack thereof of their issues, and what companies can do to overcome the workforce shortage. Dan Johnson is the CEO and co-founder of Workstep. Workstep's software platform empowers companies to find and keep frontline employees for for the long run. Prior to Workstep, Dan managed a third-party logistics warehouse and co-founded InstaEDU, an education technology company. Thank you so much for being here, Dan, and thank you for being part of our 2023 podcast series. Thanks, Ben. I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, and I'm really excited for this conversation too because yeah, there's not a lot of diversity in supply chain at this moment. So, really looking forward to seeing, you know, how that what's being done to improve that and change that. Um but before we start, could you provide a brief overview of your background and why you started Workstep? Yeah, absolutely, Ben. So, really my journey to Workstep started as a warehouse manager. Way back when before I got into the technology space, I was the manager of a third-party logistics warehouse that was part of a broader retail supply chain. Of all things, we imported trampolines from China and shipped them to DCs and e-commerce orders throughout the country. Wow. Uh, and and in that role, 
Yeah, very random. Uh, trampolines are very heavy uh, while still yeah. in the box, as you might imagine. And, you know, you don't think about who ships trampolines. <laughs> but yeah, no, I imagine. No, so if you've ever jumped on one or had one in your backyard, you owe a, a whole suite of warehouse workers a thank you uh, for dealing <laughs> with the, the poundage uh, of that product specifically. Thank you to these workers as someone who did have a trampoline. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so in that role, uh, I learned how heavy trampolines are. Uh, but I also saw... And just how challenging it was for the frontline workers in our building. So we were, when I inherited that warehouse, 100% temp staff facility, meaning all of our frontline workers were sourced via temp staffing agency, which meant that economically, we were paying our, eight, our agency at the time $18 an hour, and the workers were rece receiving 11 to 12 of that. So their wages were functionally being garnished. Additionally, they couldn't move up within our company because they didn't actually work for us. They worked for the temp staffing agency. As an organization, we were running new training groups every single day because the turnover of these temps was so high. And it just felt like the deck was really stacked against these frontline workers. And the system wasn't working for the company either. And at the time... I didn't have the tools to really solve any of those problems, but that challenge always stuck with me. And in 2017, we founded WorkStep to help make the front line a better place to work and ultimately build a technology ally for this segment of the workforce population that we saw as increasingly in need of one. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that and um, for that background and information again on trampolines. I don't know why I'm obsessing over that so much, but I just think it's definitely a first I've had brought up in my interviews. Um, so what does DEI look like in the supply chain? From your perspective, what are some of the most important steps employers can take to incorporate DEI um, initiatives within their facilities? Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, like you sort of alluded to at the top of the podcast, um, the supply chain hasn't always been the most diverse part of the economy or the most diverse mm -hmm. industry. Uh, but it is getting better. You know, at this point, basically every employer of any size not only is tracking their DEI metrics, at least within talent acquisition, but also has a team or a strategy in place to look at DEI as part of their holistic people strategy. For the most part today, that sits in talent acquisition, right? How do we ensure that we are sourcing from and tapping into diverse talent pools so that we can acquire the best possible talent into our organization. As you might know, mm -hmm. there is a stark talent shortage in the supply chain. CDL truck drivers, mechanics, technicians, skilled forklift operators. There's just not enough of this talent available for the level of demand from our economy and from large employers. And so that these companies need to and find success in ensuring they are 
sourcing talent from every possible avenue. And that includes having a very clear DEI strategy to talent acquisition. Now, the key for these companies and where we are trying to help folks move is how do you look at DEI, not just from a talent acquisition pipeline perspective, Mm -hmm. but also from a retention and growth perspective as well? Because if you're acquiring a diverse workforce, but you're not able to retain, grow, and develop into leadership a diverse workforce, then you're sort of solving a leaky bucket challenge, right? You're filling the bucket from the top, but it's leaking out the bottom. And so that I really feel like is sort of the next step for these organizations is extending that DEI strategy from talent acquisition through the entirety of their employee life cycle. Yeah, that's really important to like get, you know, people in, like once you've gotten people in to be able to keep them because, you know, it could have like, you know, I always say the difference between DEI and HR is, you know, cultural competency. Like, yeah, you've got, you've got people of color and you've got women and you've got all these different things, but how do you keep them? Because otherwise you're just spending so much money on turnover and continually training new people, hiring and training new people. Um so the prime the supply chain workforce is primarily male right at the moment, but there's been growing interest amongst women. Can workshop uh, can Workstep help companies break turnover data down by gender? And if so, do the reasons workers leave vary from men to women? Yeah, it's a really interesting question, Ben. And of course, uh, when people think of the supply chain. Mm-hmm manufacturing, distribution, trucking, they generally picture male employees. And it is majority male, but it's not 90% male or even 80% male. Um, Now, maybe to answer that question in terms of turnover data, it might be helpful, Ben, if I just explain sort of what the Workstep technology platform does and what what this value we provide to the companies who use this is, because I think that'll sort of level set how we look at deltas between these various groups would that be helpful yeah i think so so our our core product uh helps organizations engage and ultimately retain their distributed frontline workers at scale so what it does is it automates the collection of feedback from your frontline teammates Mm -hmm. throughout their employment journey so that they are able to provide their voice, their sentiment, their opinions to the organization. Mm-hmm. It empowers leaders to proactively address that feedback in real time if there's an imminent issue, safety, discrimination, harassment, pay. Yeah. Uh, but it also ties all of that feedback to outcomes. So what the platform is doing is pairing that sentiment that comes in from the associate to what ultimately happens to them in their career. And then it builds models to say, okay, here's what the employees are saying who end up staying versus, for example, here's what the employees are saying who end up quitting. And therefore, it helps inform these organizations of what their true drivers of turnover are, where are their biggest opportunities to improve the employee experience and ultimately improve employee outcomes. Go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just gonna say, like, so what are what are workers most likely to speak out on issues like this um 
sorry, one second. Going to pause it. So what are you finding? Like, what are what are the reasons that people are leaving? What are you finding? Yeah, so uh, across the industry as a whole, consistently we see that the number one driver of employee turnover is career growth. Maybe mm -hmm. said another way, the employees who don't feel like there is a clear advancement pathway available to them than their individual within their current employer are the most likely to leave. And so the biggest thing that employers can do to decrease unwanted turnover is really build, clarify, and empower these advancement pathways. And of course, this is very human. We all want to believe that the future is better than the present. We all want to evolve throughout our lives and not do the same thing every day, day after day for years on end. Um, so that's what's true across the industry. You know, other top drivers of turnover, job expectation alignment, feedback, uh, compensation, onboarding, benefits. And the list goes on. What's interesting is, you know, I mentioned that we help companies sort of pair this feedback data with outcome data to understand where their drivers are. And we, we help companies understand turnover drivers by building, right? What's causing the workers in Denver to quit versus the workers in Omaha mm -hmm. or by role type, what's impacting your retail workers versus your forklift operators versus your truck drivers, because sometimes those are very different. And increasingly, what we're helping our customers understand is how do these turnover drivers differ by DEI segment, employees who identify as male versus female, um, by age demographic, mm -hmm. uh, by background. Um, and that has unearthed some really interesting insights. You know, for example, for employees who identify as female, the top drivers of turnover are actually a little bit different. The top driver of turnover rather than career growth, which still ranks highly for employees who identify as female, it's fourth. The top driver is, is safety. Oh, yeah. And so what that would tell you is that employees who identify as female who have challenges with physical safety in the workplace are meaningfully more likely to quit and meaningfully more likely to quit as compared to their male counterparts. The number two driver of turnover for these female employees is teamwork, which again is the female employees who don't um, have high satisfaction with the team dynamics within mm -hmm. their workplace are meaningfully more likely to quit. And so these insights can be really valuable. Like for example, one of our customers saw that their female new hires were leaving at rates much higher than their male new hires. And so they dug into why. And what they saw was their female new hires had about a 20 point lower onboarding satisfaction rate than their male counterparts. So they want to know why. Mm -hmm. And when they dug into it further, they saw that their onboarding trainers were overwhelmingly male, uh, like almost exclusively, which yeah. showed them that these this critical population of their workforce they're trying to grow was functionally being challenged at their very first experience because they didn't see anybody who looked like them mm -hmm. 
in their sort of initial leadership population. So that was a very easy, relatively easy challenge to address, which is they needed to invest in ensuring that their onboarding trainer population was representative of their new hire population. Which yeah feels like a feels like an easy one yeah I mean representation is so important to be able to see yourself reflected in leadership. Yeah, exactly. And we think you know changes like that can go a long way to decreasing turnover rates in this industry for historically underrepresented populations. Um, you know, we saw last quarter that turnover among employees identified as female was actually 7% above the overall industry average. So addressing these themes is critical to ultimately retaining this female frontline talent, which is critical to maintaining a diverse workforce. Great. Um, and one of WorkSteps capacity, oh my God. Thank you so much for that. Um, and one of WorkSteps capabilities quickly alerts management when hot button issues arise in the workplace, i.e. sexual harassment, discrimination, et cetera. Are workers more likely to speak out on issues like this given the anonymous nature of the app? Could you walk me through the software response process? Yeah, so, you know, it's incredibly important then for, for companies of all shapes and sizes to collect and empower the voice of their teammates. And that can happen in many different ways, right? First of all, there's nothing that matches a good old fashioned face-to-face -face conversation, right? If I wanna know how you're feeling, how you're doing to create a connection, uh between me as a leader and you as a frontline employee uh that face-to-face -face conversation is incredibly critical and certainly technology that helps empower and collect the voice of the associate isn't a replacement for that sort of old-fashioned face-to-face conversation with that said in some cases in many cases employees feel more comfortable providing their candid and honest sentiment when they know that their anonymity or their confidentiality is protected, right? If I'm actually having a problem with my manager who is uh, creating a toxic environment or harassing me or creating an unsafe environment, I would likely feel much more comfortable submitting that feedback anonymously via technology yeah. than sharing that face-to-face -face with them or even with their manager, right, mm -hmm. for fear of retribution. And so when it comes to topics that you mentioned, like sexual harassment or discrimination, we find that anonymous feedback channels driven by technology, they can protect the worker's identity while also making that feedback clearly available to their leadership are meaningfully more effective, right? Mm -hmm. But anonymity is a double-edged sword because if you manage a 30,000 employee company and you get feedback that says, I'm being harassed by my manager or there's you know deeply embedded racism within our building, mm -hmm. um, 
and you don't know which of the 30,000 people <laughs> said it, that's not very useful, right? It's not very actionable. It's troubling, certainly. Yeah. But how would you even know where to begin? And so what we provide to the companies is really like contextual information that doesn't identify the source of that feedback. So it might be a comment or a sentiment that's associated with a new hire on a specific shift in a specific Mm -hmm. building, but not to the point where it's possible to identify who specifically that feedback came from. And so what that allows leaders to do is, okay, okay, we clearly have a pattern of feedback on our night shift in our Tulsa building about this one specific manager. Without needing to know who exactly that came from, we can dig into more what's going on there and ultimately resolve the situation. Now, one of the other challenges with anonymity mm-hmm. is the ability to close the loop with yeah. that feedback, right? Because if I'm asked, how am I feeling? And I say, I would be feeling fine, but, you know, uh, the head of our building has clearly placed favorites, is dismissive of my concerns, and is not following our safety protocols. Mm-hmm. And then I never hear back. Yeah. I'm really less likely to provide feedback in the future. I'm more likely to leave the organization. Ultimately, it tells me that nobody really cares mm-hmm. what my experience is. Um, and so technology is also a great tool for that. So what we do is we allow leaders to respond directly to employees who provide feedback without sacrificing their anonymity. So you as the leader might see, hey, this was feedback from a forklift operator in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can reply directly to me and say, you know, your feedback is heard. Here's how we can address it. I'd be happy to continue the conversation if you'd like to. And that ensures that um, I know that somebody heard what I'm saying, especially when it relates to some of these more sensitive topics like yeah. harassment, discrimination, pay, safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also know that I'm able to provide that feedback without fear of direct retribution because while they are able to engage with me, the associate, they don't need to know that it's Dan who provided that yeah. feedback. Now, can Dan share, can you share your name if you want to, or does it always anonymous? It, it is. So as a worker with each actual point of feedback, you have the opportunity, if you like, to basically expose your identity and say, okay. by the way, I would like for you to follow up with me. It's Dan. And that is actually particularly useful for things like um, uh, I didn't like I didn't get my paycheck or my paycheck is wrong, I think. Right. It's like I don't I actually want you to know that like it's me. Like I don't see the right amount of overtime on my paycheck. Like somebody please follow up with me immediately. Um, yeah, you don't want to be anonymous of, with that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But so it's a it's a mix. And the majority of the time employees prefer to protect their anonymity, but there are certain cases where it does make sense to be um to tie your feedback back to, to ultimately who you are directly. That makes sense. 
And in actually, I want I want to reference something in the pre, I just said in the previous question. What or which when you said that female identifying employees or who left often stated safety as the major concern is that is that just like a general or is this or more of a breakdown of what safety issues or is this just like safety in general or like you know do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So we work on the like the level of themes. Mm -hmm. So there okay. can be many sort of questions that relate to the safety theme. Okay. But ultimately that's going to be about sort of uh, feeling physically safe in the workplace and believing that your company prioritizes the physical safety of, of their employees. And again, the way our data is constructed, it's not necessarily that Employees who identify as female quit and then say, mm -hmm. the reason I quit is because of safety. It's yeah. actually about what feedback does all of these employees provide while they are employed? Mm -hmm. And then what are the predictors of turnover? And what we saw at least last quarter was for the specific population, the strongest predictor of turnover was dissatisfaction with safety themes. Okay. Gotcha. And um, and all the and like how are how are employees made aware of like this app or where they could, you know, share their feedback? Yeah, so because we serve a predominantly frontline employee population, we can't count on these associates working in front of a computer mm -hmm. or logging into a company device. Um, and so we try to help companies meet their frontline associates where they are. So that could be uh, via SMS or other okay. messaging application. It could be via personal email. It could be via QR code or a kiosk on site. So there's all sorts of different ways to reach that sort of deskless frontline worker. But we find the most effective way is meeting them in the channels they already use, meaning like SMS or other conversational mm -hmm. applications. Nice. Thanks for, yeah. So just, you know, making sure it's accessible to, you know, all the different, yeah, different departments and different means. Yeah. Um, Cause that's another big, well, not another big, big trend. I hate saying trend, but accessibility is, uh, you know, more and more important these days than ever. Um, and what is uh, you know looking at uh, looking at 2023 what is your outlook for 2023 hourly supply chain labor market do you think we'll see an improvement in diversity and logistics roles with you know with the efforts of your you know companies like yours and will additional investments in DEI attract more workers to the space do you think um yeah so i think that uh, when we look ahead to the next year, it will continue to be hard to engage and retain these distributed frontline workers. Mm -hmm. I mean, turnover over the last few years has been at all-time highs, and that's showing no signs of assuaging. Mm -hmm. Partially because of that, because it's hard to hire and retain these workers, and partially because it's the right thing to do. We'll continue to see more investments in DEI and leadership training on DEI-related topics within the broader supply chain and ultimately the broader category of, of frontline work. Um, and I think, well, we can say 
with certainty that those investments will increase. I think it's hard to say with certainty over what time horizon we'll start to see changes in the makeup of frontline workers, yes, but also mm-hmm. every level of leadership, potentially more importantly. Yeah. Those changes will take time. Um uh, because uh leaders tend to have started on the front lines years ago. And so if your front line still skews a specific way in terms of DEI today, yeah, that is your next leadership pipeline, right? And so these changes in terms of building a more diverse workforce from top to bottom can take years. Now, that doesn't mean the investments don't need to start today. Yeah. And so I think that what we'll see is because it's hard to hire, companies will continue to invest in bringing in diverse talent pools to their organization because it's hard to retain forward thinking companies will think about that DEI problem opportunity more holistically in terms of their employee life cycle and will extend their purview in terms of not just solving a talent acquisition DEI challenge, but also a talent retention DEI challenge and a talent development DEI challenge. And that's where technology tools, software tools like Workstep can help mm-hmm. because it's very hard internally to look at your workforce and say, why don't we have more diverse leaders in this yeah. particular group of our company? You really need a, a data center tool that can piece all of these components together in terms of employee background, employee sentiment, employee tenure, employee role, sort of automatically say, this is the thing, right? For your employees who have this background, Mm -hmm. who work in this particular role type, this is the challenge. Um, So that's where I think this world is going. I think there's been a lot more technology-centric work on the talent acquisition side of the DEI Mm -hmm. equation. And I'm looking forward to Workstep being a leader and how that extends through the full employee life cycle. Thank you for that. And yeah, I was going to say or ask like what, what, what you think could be done if you have any thoughts on what could be done with, like you said, right now the leadership is what were started in the front line themselves years ago. Do you think there's anything that can be done to, um, I don't want to say improve or like diversify that group of leadership? Yeah, I think diversifying leadership populations starts with diversifying frontline populations, right? Because again, yeah. that ultimately becomes your leadership pipeline for the most part. Yes, there are specific programs that can be managed to um, help with development from sort of each step within an organization Mm -hmm. and ensuring that those sort of um, promotion pipelines are diverse as well. Uh, But uh, over time, the best driver of leadership diversity is, is overall diversity in the organization. Awesome. Thank you. Very well said. And before um, before we go, is there anything else you would like to add or share to our listeners for 2023? Yeah, I think or for that part of, 
part of what I am passionate about building this specific company in this specific space is that there's really a, a double bottom line opportunities opportunity for the companies that we partner with, right? First and foremost, by engaging your teammates, understanding their sentiment, understanding why they are leaving and how you can build a diverse and successful workforce, you reduce employee turnover, which saves costs, which ultimately improves your company's financial bottom line. But it's also just the right thing to do, right? If you sit on top of a thousand employees, 10,000 employees, a hundred thousand employees, Mm-hmm. And you have the opportunity to improve their experience for eight hours a day, five days a week to make their life better in a meaningful way. That's also just the right thing to do from a human perspective to ensure that you're creating good outcomes for everybody in your organization, regardless of their background, their age, their DEI segment. Yeah. Um, and so organizations who invest here not only get to do the right thing, which is nice, but they also get to do something that's good for business. And that's why I think we're going to see more and more investment in in technologies like Workstep. Wonderful. Yeah. And it's always nice when, you know, the business um, also benefits people. So <laughs> thank you so much, Dan, for coming in and for sharing about this, um, you know, very vital workforce that um, in within DEI. Thank you for your time today, Ben. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dan, for that wonderful podcast. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, please visit WorkStep's website at go.workstep.com. New episodes of the Forum podcast are available at forumworkplaceinclusion.org forward slash podcast. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. The Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and nine graduate degrees to 3,000 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota locations. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. At Augsburg, education is defined by excellence in the local arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu. Thank you again for listening to the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates on the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day.